So I, I came here this morning with the, the intention of inspiring you. That's my intention. What I've discovered is that you are inspiring me, and that's kind of the way that works. Um, this morning, I needed to hear the great invocation. Those words uh, have meant a lot to me for many, many years. And um, I think I first heard them in 1987. And so uh, the words of the great invocation are, uh, to me, they're timeless. I needed to see Allison's fresh face on the platform today. Someone stepping out uh, with the intention of service to this church. I needed to hear how you guys put music together um, and the, the masterful nature with which you make it happen and the work that went on before you ever got here to double your voice so that you could sing with yourself, Julie. I, uh, I mean, I know the mechanics of that a little, but uh, that you put your intention and your professionalism and your inspiration into that inspires me. So your faces are doing that, even though I can only see half of them. Um, at least 50% of the part that counts is available and um, precious. I wish that I could stand here today and say that I am uh, giving a talk about rising up because I feel risen up. I don't feel risen up today. That's the honest truth. Uh, I, I talked with somebody this week about it, and I, I'm, I'm going through the winter of my soul right now. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I say that? The winter of our soul is as important as the blooming spring of our souls. It's as important as the warmth of the summer of our souls. It's as important as the... Uh, the, the sense of renewal that I get anyway in the autumn of our souls with that crispness and anticipation. The winter is equally as important. It can feel very dry, very cold. It can feel very um, empty, lonely. And I will make that distinction that many of you know that lonely is not the same as alone. We're not ever alone. But we can be lonely. Today when I talk about the idea of rising up, I do it in the nature and in the um, uh, appreciation of people like Martin Luther King Jr., who was the voice of so many that has never died out. And um, so we, I mean, it's important enough that we mark a day in the, in the United States to honor him. Was he a perfect man? New. Many of our heroes, all of our heroes, are not perfect people. They're just not, because they're human beings. And uh, so I would offer to you that if that, you know, crashes some of your illusions, I would just ask you if you yourself are perfect, then you can cast that stone. You know what I'm saying? And check in with me after the service, because I'd like to know how that feels. Um, so, 
uh, so I'm talking about this today, rising up, and that very phrase implies a direction. Rise implies up. We have to have those terms because we're living in a three-dimensional reality uh, with occasional visits from to the fourth dimension and maybe others. But we live in a, a dimension that has uh, directional qualities to it. It has, it has time sequence qualities to it. In truth, rising up really is about meeting our soul, meeting our spirit, meeting the presence of God. That's what it's about. So it's more of a lateral move, I guess. However, when we talk about the chakras, the crown chakra here is at the top of our head, of course. That's why it's called the crown chakra. And we often experience energy in that direction. But we could equally experience it coming up through our feet. We can equally experience it in our solar plexus. So rising up is more about our intention and our focus and our uh, alignment with what we're created to be, what we already are, we're just not fully experiencing. So I want you to keep that in mind today as I talk about this, because this is uh, this has been uh, the most difficult two years that I can remember. I watched a documentary that um, it was about some junior college students that were preparing for a big uh, competition, and in that the height of their preparedness, the pandemic hit and everything closed down. March Madness for 2020 was canceled. All the universities closed. So I was watching that documentary, and they were showing little uh, snippets of news broadcasts during that. I said, well, the, the, the uh, novel coronavirus has claimed 59 lives in the United States at the time of that broadcast. And I felt myself going back into the trauma of what happened. I thought, oh, my Lord, 59 lives and that was a big deal. And here we are almost 850,000 lives later in this country. We would have to be totally numb not to be affected by that. We would have to be. So I noticed in watching that, it was an immediate observation of myself going, oh my God. I'm feeling all that again. I'm feeling those moments at the beginning of March when our board was talking to each other and going, oh, oh, we're, we're going to have to close church. We, we can't have people coming to church. Chip, you remember those days? Does that still ring a bell for you? Beverly? Jan? Oh, my Lord. John? We were all just like, okay, here we go. It's like getting out of the way when an emergency vehicle is coming up behind you. And, um, and I think about children who maybe were in first grade. And they haven't really known much of a time in school when this wasn't going on. They haven't known a time in school. 
except for the early days of 19 to 20. And I think about our kids and the trauma that they've gone through. I think about the kids who were ready to graduate in the spring of 2020, and they didn't get to have one of the most uh, important celebrations of their young lives to graduate from high school together and go off to college and have rush. And so the weight of all that just crashed on me last night. I thought, oh, gosh, I guess I'm not as over this as I thought I was. And I spoke to you last week about my friend Kay. And she made her passage out of this life on Thursday afternoon. And I'm, I'm in that place of grateful that her difficult journey didn't last any longer than it did. But knowing what an enormous uh, vacancy there is on the planet because she's not here. And more than anything, I feel the empathy for those who loved her so deeply, who love her so deeply, who are in grief. I'll be driving to San Angelo tomorrow to do her graveside service on Tuesday morning. And... Um, And you know, there's a, there's a sweet weight that comes with that. I love my work. I love what I do. I love even these difficult moments because they're enriching and they uh, carve a deeper place in my heart for love to dwell. So I, this, is not, um, this is not about, gosh, isn't it awful? It is for those who are in grief. But it brings a, a heaviness that death and disaster bring to our lives. And so I'm speaking to you today because I need to hear my own message. I need to hear and remember the stories of those uh, that that we've made an example out of because their lives were so important, because their contributions were timeless, because their contributions were necessary, because their contributions, contributions were timely for the time in which they lived. And that's kind of the hallmark of um, the people that we model after, is that what they have done continues to inspire us no matter how long ago it was. So I remember I was, uh, tell my age here, I was uh, 14 or so when um, Robert Kennedy Jr. died, when um, Martin Luther King was killed, uh, when we went to the moon. That was a lot to absorb in my adolescence. I, I remember uh, feeling feelings that were bigger than I knew how to handle. Uh, especially with Kennedy's assassination, uh, Robert Kennedy, John too, but Robert Kennedy's assassination, um, my mom was expecting my younger sister at the same time Ethel Kennedy was expecting theirs. 
baby. And I admired him so much, and I watched the news coverage of the train going through the country and people paying their respects as the train passed through. And so we have to be grateful and we have to be participative in the events that shape our world. We cannot, whether they're world events or whether they're very intimate personal events that move us and shake us down to our very core. So I hope that as I'm, I'm expressing these things to you today that I am not alone in the depth of these feelings. Usually if I feel moved to talk about them, it's because it's a common experience for us. It's a common experience for us to not know exactly where our feet are landing right now. It's a common experience for us to be reassessing and reevaluating everything right now. We've been doing it for a while. Aren't we fatigued with reassessment? Aren't we tired of looking down to the ground for that flashlight that is showing our next step? I'm tired of it. But part of what we're going through right now is this great upheaval that, uh, that redefines who we are and how we walk through the world. We may think we're going through the same motions that we have before, but it's different. I talked to somebody yesterday who was talking about their store opened in February of 2020. It immediately closed. <laughs> And, uh, and those kind of seismic events, uh, they shake us all. Bless you. So, so today when I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm going to ask you to think about people that inspire you. To think about what you're doing in your life that lifts you up a little bit. To think about how you're going to rise up for humanity. And we don't have to do big things, my friends. We are not required to do big things. We're required to take the next step. We're required to do the next right thing. That's what we're required to do. And when we're done with that, then we'll move to the next thing. And when we're done with that, we'll move to the next thing. And we may be able to plot a course that takes us down the road a certain direction, but aren't you a little bit wary about plotting that course these days? <laughs> I mean, aren't you like, yeah, well, I plan this, but... Just ask Michael and Leah Finn and their family who got on a cruise ship hours before the CDC said, don't get on a cruise ship. <laughs> so they went on a cruise ship that didn't have very many activities for their young children. You know... They were smiling. I saw, the, I saw the photos. They were smiling, and they made the most of it because that's who the Finns are. But my goodness, how do, we, how do we navigate through this? Well, we have to dig pretty darn deep, my friends. That's what we have to do. We have to dig deep. If you're in the winter of your soul right now, I promise you, I promise you that underneath the frost, there is a new life 
that is even now not visible, but on its way. It's on its way. You know, all the preachers in uh, the more evangelical churches say, just wait and expect a miracle. We say it a little differently in unity and in new thought, don't we? I mean, it's all a miracle, isn't it? It's all a miracle. We, we call it a miracle when it surprises us, when it steps outside of our expectation. That's what we call a miracle. So our job is to keep ourselves wide open for those surprise blessings, for those things that come our way that we were not expecting, for the manifestation of God that blesses us in the moment. And it's up to us to say, oh, I see it, and I give thanks for it. Every little thing. If you are not making a gratitude list right now, every day, my friends, get busy. It helps. Because even if you don't do it in the moment, if you review your day and write it down, your gratitude does not have a time limit. Your gratitude does not have to occur at the exact moment that it happened in order for it to be effective. Your gratitude is retroactive. Your gratitude is also predictive. I think you know what I mean by that. Give thanks for the things that have not yet occurred so that you can have your eyes more open to see them when they happen. That's the only reason we do that. We're not giving thanks so that God will pour out more stuff on us. We're giving thanks because stuff is pouring out on us all the time. Our gratitude is about keeping our eyes open. Our gratitude is about opening our hearts all the time as often as we can and not being afraid to do that. So that means that that course that we're plotting that may or may not turn out the way we've plotted it we can give thanks anyway for whatever the course is going to look like. We can give thanks that we're headed the right direction, even though we don't know where we're going to end up. Now, Kit's doing a course on Wednesday nights in which she's talking about knowing where it is you're going. That is not so much a destination as it is a state of mind and being. Where are you going? What is motivating you forward? What is taking you in the direction of your heart's desire, your heart's fulfillment? What, what's doing that for you? What is it that you are bringing to the world in any ounce of intention that makes it a better place? We talked about this last week. Be sure and smile with your eyes. Because people can't always see your face, your mouth. Smile with your eyes. Bless people as you go. I got out yesterday and walked around a little bit in a, in a shopping area outdoors. And, um, and it's good to bless people as you're going along the way. You don't have to make eye contact with them. You don't have to, do, you don't have to interact with people at all. 
All you have to do is just bless this person and this person passing by you and this person with their dog and this other person and this person who almost runs you over because they're not paying attention, they're looking at their phone, and you bless them anyway. You do that good. Do it when you go to the grocery store. Do it for all the children whose parents are up in arms about what the schools are going to do about their kids and their education. Bless those kids. Bless the parents, too. You don't have to agree with people to bless them. And oh my goodness, my friends. I keep thinking. And I was going to say, I hope I don't step on any toes. But if I step on some toes, then so be it. It's kind of the occupational hazard of a minister to step on toes. I have to think that the division that we're seeing in this country, politically, socially, economically, educationally, the division that we're seeing in our country right now is an indicator of stuff rising to the surface so they can be healed and rising to the surface so that it can be healed. And if we don't keep remembering that, then we're going to get discouraged and jaded and caught up in our feelings about it. So when it comes up, we go, oh, rising to the surface for healing, rising to the surface for healing. Sometimes I have fear around that. Do you? Do you ever have fear about what's our country coming to? <sighs> So take that fear and go, yeah, that is universal fear that needs healing. That's universal anger that needs healing. That is universal human conflict that is always needing healing. I can't think of a time in history, recorded or not, in which humans have not been in conflict with one another. Even when it was down to my little tribe around the fire versus your little tribe around the fire. And that's also the blessing of humanity. Is that we are always trying to find a place for our feet to land so that we can identify ourselves. We may identify ourselves with a group, but what's more important, what I talk about here and what you participate in here, is where do we stand as individuals that are part of the whole? Where are, what is my identity as a spiritual being living a human life? What is that? How will I rise up? What am I contributing to consciousness? One of my minister friends posed a question and just asked a, a a bunch of ministers a question and you will get so many answers that's how we self-identify it's that consciousness is evolving what does that say about Christian tradition that God is is eternal and unchanging So I threw in my two cents, because I'm a minister. And, uh, and it is true, the human consciousness is always evolving. Always. 
God? That's another matter. Because that requires us, and you're sophisticated people, you can do this. It requires you to embrace a paradox, doesn't it? God is eternal and unchanging. God as that undefinable thing, not thing. God is eternal. God is unchanging. And God is evolving in creation and expression through us, through nature, through the movement of planets and suns and galaxies. Constantly in motion. Constantly. I just love the idea that my very first New Thought teacher told me is that basically this table is in motion. It's just really, really slow and dense and we can't see it. That same teacher evolved in her consciousness. Or she might have been crazy, but I'm going to say she evolved in consciousness where she could actually see the vibration of solid objects. And some of you have experienced that particular phenomenon or ones that are similar. So yes, consciousness for humans is always evolving. But the nature of God is always expressing and expressing every time you say something, do something, it has an impact on consciousness, yours and the collective. If that feels like a tremendous amount of responsibility, it's because it is. It is that. So we become more and more aware of how we're going to think, speak, and act. So if we're going to look at Dr. King, if we're going to look, we, we pick him today because we celebrate him tomorrow, we remember him tomorrow, but you could pick any one who exemplifies a positive contribution to consciousness, one that is eternal, one that is lasting. Think on those things. Think on that person. And then ask yourself why you identify with that. Because that, beloved, is also you. That is also you. You don't have to make great speeches. You don't have to uh, lead a movement. You don't have to go uh, take supplies to people in impoverished countries. You don't have to do that. You can, if you are so guided. But the biggest contribution you can make starts with, right here, aligning yourself with the divine, eternal, evolving presence of God. And then expressing that, living that, praying with others, which we'll talk about next week. That's how we rise up every single day. Every single day. It's what we were encouraged to do by all of our great teachers. Go back to Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. He was quoting old scripture, but he was giving it a new emphasis. He didn't just mean the people like you. He didn't mean just tolerate people who are different. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. No conditions. 
What if we just started there? What if we just started with the golden rule? What if that was our only purpose was to live the golden rule? And that doesn't mean just the way you treat other people, but also the way you think about other people. Yikes. I want to share with you, and I'm going to read it a couple of times, a prayer from Marianne Williamson. And I have a feeling that her little book of prayers, Illuminata, will um, outlast her life because uh, a blessing, an inspiration from a person usually outlives their contemporariness. So I'm going to read this to you, and then we'll go into a meditation with it. Dear God, as I rise up, I thank you for the opportunity to be on this earth. I thank you for my mind and body. I thank you for my life. Please bless my body and use it for your purposes. May I rise up strong today, and may my body and soul radiate your love. May all impurities be cast out of my mind, my heart, my body. May every cell of my being be filled with your light. And usually she says, thank you very much. I love that about her prayers. And this prayer is worded as though we're addressing God as something outside of ourselves. Those words are to help us surrender and focus. Do you understand that? Anytime that I address the divine as though the divine were elsewhere is simply a way for us to have that humility and acknowledgement of something greater than ourselves that also lives within us. It is my metaphorical way of getting on my knees. And you know, that brings up a good idea. Sometimes in the winter of our souls, and I need to do this myself, it's good for us to get on our knees. Because it changes our view. Externally and internally. We're not bowing in obedience, although we kind of are. We're bowing to our greater nature. We're bowing to that creative urge which created the whole universe and us. That's worth bowing over. And I wish it were more common in, uh, in our Western culture for us to bow to each other, consciously, to bow to each other. That namaste can live in our hearts even if we don't have the gesture. I behold the divine in you. I see you. So here's what I'm going to ask of you today. No matter where your heart is, no matter the condition of your soul today, I'm going to ask you, as I, I'm going to ring our, our lovely bell, just as, as Jan chimed the bowl this morning, I'm going to ring our, our beautiful bell, and I would like for you to let each chiming of the bell take you a little deeper into your quiet place into the, uh, the place of the Most High in you. 
And I'm going to read this prayer again. So, so just take whatever position uh, lets you be comfortable and begin to breathe, if you will. And I mean breathe with intention, not just breathing to sustain life. Each chiming of the bell taking you a little bit more deeply. Dear God, oh dearest God, as I rise up, I thank you for the opportunity to be on this earth, right now, right here. I thank you for my mind and body. Give thanks right now for your mind and body, no matter what condition either one are in. I thank you for my life. And just in these seconds, look back across your timeline, the arc of your existence. I thank you for my life. Please bless my body and use it for your purposes. I consecrate my body right now so that the actions of it are a manifestation of the great spirit. May I rise up strong today and may my body and soul radiate your love. Notice that subtle shift in your energy. It is the comfort in our winter. It is the light that burns in the darkness. It is the will to take the next right step. May all impurities be cast out of my mind, my heart, my body. I let go of everything. I let go of everything that does not serve a higher purpose. May every cell of my body, may every cell of my being be filled with your light. Every cell 
Feel those cells in your body vibrating, doing their job, filled with divine intelligence and light that animates you. And now imagine, if you will, that you have come down to your knees or you have opened your arms wide so that you may honor and receive spirit. And now, if you will, beloved, here in this room where the light is dim, eyes are closed, bring your pilgrim hands together. If you're joining us online, bring your hands together, as long as you're not driving. And with a full heart, say thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And so it is. Amen.